Good morning, everyone. Appreciate that, Austin and Stephanie, very much. Uh, glad you're with us this morning, and this will be um, re-recorded or represented tonight at 5 o'clock. It'll be posted on our YouTube channel, and um, we'd love for you to be able to share it with your friends. And uh, messages from previous weeks are also posted there, and you can go there and, and uh, catch up with what we've been bringing to you here. I'd like to con congratulate Brad and Patty Stolfus and all the aunts and uncles and grandpas and grandmas and even great-grandmas. Uh, Oakley, Oakley Bright came into the world safe and sound. We've been praying for her, and uh, Brad and Patty have uh, fought a good fight uh, to see her come into this world, and we're just so grateful to have her in our lives, and we're just thrilled for them. I'd like to share something with you this morning. Um, I'm, I'm just aware that this past week, about middle of the week, I, I hit a, a pocket of frustration. I could also see the same thing brewing in our country, spilling out into the streets. And uh, I think we'll see more of it in this coming week uh, spill out. And so I want to address that. I, I, I took some time to think about what I was feeling and why I was feeling it, and I thought I'd share it with you. Perhaps you're in the same place that I am. Uh, when we look at our media, where we're looking for our news, you know, they give you a, a hope in, in one headline and then take it away in the next headline. That's frustrating. And it's such a garbled message uh, from different news sources uh, saying conflicting things and, and uh, opposite things. And uh, they don't know how to respond either, so they're lashing out. They're, they're um, really searching for, um, for someone to blame. And uh, so if you look for our, our, to, to the news sources for, uh, for hope, and then you end up coming away just frustrated. Uh, that's happened to me this past week. Then we look to our political leaders, and, and uh, again, just a, a, a garbled message of just all kinds of conflicting interests and different points of view, and it's hard to know who's speaking the truth, who's saying what, who's, who's right, who's wrong. Uh, see a lot of people uh, jumping on uh, our president's case, blaming him, and uh, then he turns around, he blames President Obama, and... Uh, and then you listen to Joe Biden, and I honestly don't know what he says or what he's saying, and I just think he's frustrated. And so um, just looking for someone to blame. Then our, our government does things. I see the, the governor of Michigan says you can go fishing this week, but you can only use a canoe. You can't use a motorboat. That creates frustration. You can't go to your cottage. And this is the time of year people want to go to their cottage. You can go shopping at Walmart, but you can't. Um, buy garden seeds or, or bulbs or fertilizer or shovel or rake. Uh, that creates frustration. It doesn't make sense. It just seems like we see news stories of uh, huge lines up uh, lines of people applauding our healthcare workers, which we want to see, but there's no social distancing being observed in that crowd. Or we see a crowd of people filling up an enormous parking lot uh, to sign up for applications for relief. Uh, rows and rows of cars filling up the parking lot. But if a church gathers together on Sunday to do Easter Sunday in a parking lot in their cars, uh, they're fined $500 each. And it just doesn't make sense. And uh, uh, so one, uh, one governor actually forbid uh, that from happening in a uh, 
one of our, our judicial our judges actually just uh, um, said that that seemed to be targeted at the church. And so I'm glad to see that. I hope we see more of that because it relieves uh, some kind of frustration that I'm, I'm feeling with all of this. And others are feeling it as well. Some of it just doesn't make sense. And when that happens, it just, it just creates frustration. It doesn't help. And we've seen it even in our local state, uh, local state and gov- uh, national federal government. Then when you, uh, you move from that, because that's so frustrating, you move from the news, you move away from politics, then you, you go to our, our prophets. In our circles, we believe in prophets. And we go to see what the prophets are saying. And it's, it's a garbled mess. It's a garbled message uh, that I'm seeing and hearing. I sat in on some, some uh, uh, round political or um, prophetic roundtables, uh, seeing what the Lord might be saying. I track different prophets. Uh, a man who I really respect, Bob Sorge, he came out with a, a statement this week saying, this is the judgment of God. It's a Habakkuk kind of thing, but it, if we respond right, it'll lead to revival. So he ends on a really positive note. The same day, just within the hour, uh, Bill Johnson comes out with a message saying, anyone who's saying this is the judgment of God, don't listen to them. And so we got conflicting messages uh, from our, our Christian leadership as well. Then Kenneth Copeland, he comes out, and he draws a lot of mockery on himself by, by blowing a wind uh, toward this thing, just saying it's clearly the, the devil who's come to kill, steal, and destroy. And so he said that uh, he represents a, uh, being a prophet to our nation that, that God spoke to him and said that, he was going to send a heat wave that was going to knock this thing out. He was going to call this, cause the jet stream to come down, create a heat wave. And it's been snowing every day since then, so that's frustrating. And so we're not sure what all that means. And so when we can't listen to our prophets that are abounding, they're all saying, and some of them are actually taking credit for having prophesied this before it happened. And to be honest, I don't remember anyone giving a Claritin call saying that something's coming that's going to come in the beginning of this year that's going to cause every school in the world to shut down and every uh, wage earner to have to go home, and, or almost every wage earner, and, and that's going to shut down the world economy. I didn't hear anyone prophesy that. And there are people who are claiming that they did, and they take credit for it. Uh, we're looking for someone that's like an Agabus who, who prophesied that a famine was coming and it came very shortly after he prophesied that. It was a very clear, concise word that people could actually prepare for and respond to. We didn't hear any of that. And so the ones who are taking a lot of credit for it now, I, I'm just, it's frustrating for me. Uh, I think it's frustrating for enough people that they're dusting off old words that dead people have prophesied. I mean, you can... You can take the thousands of hours of anything that King Kim Clement had sung in prophetically, and you can make something in there fit this. You can take words that Bob Jones gave 10 years before he died, and you can make something fit. Uh, uh, just this week, they dusted off all the old prophecies that David Wilkerson had given back in the 1970s to try to make them fit. When those words were given in the 1970s, we just saw him as a frustrated man of God trying to get the nation to repent. 
And he just said everything that could go wrong, about 50 different things that God was going to do. But it was eminent. It was going to happen right away, and it didn't. And so for me to, to go and to dust off something from the shotgun pellets that he gave and make that fit, I think that's just frustrating. I don't think we should be listening, looking for the living among the dead. Uh, but I do the same thing. I, I, I cited Billy Graham last week as... as uh, uh, as someone who sanely and simply and sincerely brought the gospel and that the solution for a lot of our problems are in the simple gospel message. And, and so I look back in the history. Uh, I look at uh, people who've been used of God in the past. We all do that. There's something, there's a consolation. If we don't trust the people who are currently speaking, we look for people in the past. This past week, our governor cited uh, Lincoln. I've heard people cite Winston Churchill. Uh, we're looking for Martin Luther King Jr. to, to say something that applies now. Uh, our governor even cited uh, a verse from Mark this week. Um, there's something in us that are just looking for somebody who can make sense of this. And it's frustrating on people. Let me, just, let me just share something. There are people who are saying that this is one of the four horsemen. This is the end. This is, the, uh, uh, this is part of the end time judgment of God. There are people who are saying that, preaching that. Uh, and then there are people who are saying this is going to be the time of the greatest release of prosperity and revival that the world has ever seen. I don't know how both those things can be true at the same time. And so that's frustrating. Um, Here's the thing. Let's look at this scripturally. And I think I have a solution for me that will keep my heart from being frustrated uh, in these coming weeks and that will help me to get the most out of what we're going through. And I hope this is helpful for you. When everything happened to Job and he lost everything, he lost his job, lost all his wealth, uh, lost his family. People died close to him. Uh, and then he became sick. And all that hit him. His friends gathered around him. They said, this is the judgment of God. This has happened to you because there's something wrong in your life and God's dealing with you. And Job, he reacted. And he said a bunch of things too. And um, a lot of words were spoken. And in the end, God confronted Job and, and essentially showed him that he didn't know what he was talking about. And then confronted his friends and said, all of, all of you are wrong and what you've been saying is wrong and you need to repent and Job will pray for you, uh, that you be healed. So in the end, no one got it right. All of them have said their opinions. And, and it's, it looks like Job never knew what hit him. All his lifetime, I mean, everything he had, everything he lost, God restored to him double. You can read this in the last chapter of Job. Everything that he lost, he re, it was restored to him double. And uh, Job lived a long life after that, a full life after that. But he didn't write the book of Job, and I doubt that he read the book of Job. So I don't think Job ever really knew what hit him. Then we have Jeremiah, and Jeremiah prophesies. He's the only voice that's prophesying that judgment is coming on the people of God, on the children of Israel, on Jerusalem in particular, it, there's a lot of false prophets who rose up and said just the opposite. No, peace and prosperity. And it was a real, real contest. And one guy, he went after Jeremiah personally, and he prophesied against him, and, and he uh, didn't turn out well for him. But in the end, in the end, Jeremiah is the only one that's right. 
all the false prophets were wrong, and Jeremiah's right, but he comes out of the rubble, and he's scorched, and he's burned, and he's hungry because there's a famine, and his clothes are tattered, and he's taken, he's taken in captivity just along with everybody else. In other words, what he prophesied, he actually went through, and he didn't do a victory lap at the end of that time when, when he found out that everything he prophesied actually came to pass. There was no victory lap. There was no sense of, aha, I'm the one that's right. What he, said, what he did is he sat down and he wrote the book of Lamentations. And if you get into chapter 3, the bottom line is, he said, he said the bottom line is, uh, if it wasn't for the Lord's mercies, none of us would have made it. None of us would have survived. It's a profound study. It's a hard book to read, but I encourage you to see where, the, where he finally come out on this is, is that God's good and God's merciful, and we don't deserve even that, even himself. And it's a, it's a profound study of, of, of even when you're right, even when you're saying the right prophetic things, uh, where this all comes out. Then in Luke chapter 13, verses 1 to 4, there's this amazing story, and I'll tell, it, I'll tell you my version of it. Uh, someone came up to Jesus with the Galilean Examiner or Express newspaper and said, uh, Pilate killed a bunch of Galileans and mixed their blood with a sacrifice. What do you think? What do you think about this? And Jesus doesn't address the social issue of the day and the crisis of the day. He just says, just, just look within yourself and see if there's anything you need to repent about. I think that's a good word for anything that we see that happens to somebody. Just Rather than having to make a judgment of whether that was of God or whether that was the devil or what it was, just stop and use that as a way to examine if there's something that you need to repent of. And then someone come up to him with the early edition of the Jerusalem Times. He said, uh, uh, a tower, the Tower of Siloam, fell on a group of people, killing 18 people. And Jesus said, you suppose that those 18 peoples were the worst sinners in town? that God got them all lined up <clears throat> in the shadow of that tower, and they, they were killed because of a judgment. And Jesus said, just look within yourself and see if there's anything that you need to repent of. I think that's a, timeless, a, a timely and a timeless word. I think that could always apply to us. No matter what happens to us, no matter what happens in the news, what happens in society, what happens locally or nationally, what if we just use it as an opportunity to repent, an opportunity to look and see if there's something that we could do better, there's something that we could do that's be free from our past and our junk. There's always something, but we have this tendency to suppose, and it happened in Jesus' day, and it's happening today, and it will always happen. We all suppose. Now, if you go with me to John 15, I think this is where I'm coming out in a place that is bringing some peace to my heart, and I hope will bring some peace to your heart as well. In John 15, beginning in verse 1 and 2, let's this says, I'm the true vine. My father is the, the vine dresser or the husbandman. We have to know God. We have to know him, and he's lots of different things and presents himself as lots of different things, but he presents himself here as a gardener a husbandman, a vine dresser. We need to know him that way. 
He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he takes away. He prunes that it, bear, that it may bear more fruit. And so in the early process of, of either a judgment of God or God trying to take us to another level of spirituality, you can't tell. Punishment and pruning look the same in the early phases. It just hurts. It's just cutting. It's just cutting. And you can't tell. You can't tell until you see what comes out of it sometimes. We want to make a judgment so early. Let me just say something about what we're dealing with here, this, this pandemic. Nothing like it has ever happened in the history of, of the world. There's no record of anything like this on this scale that has shut down the whole world. Uh, at one time, there's nothing, World War II, as bad as it was, and there's some things we can draw, some parallels, um, the people who lived through World War II saying this isn't the same. And so there's something in us that wants to make a judgment. Is this of God or is this not of God? How do we, is this the devil? Is this man-made? And there's conspiracy theorists that are saying this is intentional to get at our economy or to get at our president or... Get at the church. Stop the church. There are people floating all kinds of theories out there. But whether it's pruning or punishment, it's, sometimes it's very early in the process. It's, it's really hard to discern. But then when you see the fruit come out, you realize, okay, this was of God. This, this was of God. I think one place that we can go together as a church, regardless what's happening in our society, that's takes less time consuming the news and, and listening for hope and other sources and other people, what if we all just decided that we're going to abide in him more deeply? We're going to abide in his word more deeply. We're going to abide in his love more deeply. I don't think you can miss. I don't think you can miss. Uh, stop and think about this. If this is a, a judgment of God, the way to respond is to bow down and worship him. Turn toward him and repent of everything you can repent of. Draw near to him. If it's the devil, if this is a, the devil having his day, the proper response is to bow down before God and worship him. Surrender more deeply. Draw near to him. If this is a man-made catastrophe, the proper response is to draw closer to God, Worship him, bow down before him, worship him, draw near to him. The response has to be the same no matter what the source is, no matter what's happening. Uh, we have to respond exactly the same way. There's nothing like this in, that we can draw from history completely. There's pieces of history that apply, but we've never seen anything like this before. We have to respond by abiding. Abiding and pruning, the part of the, where they're the same, is pruning brings you back to nothing. Pruning brings you back to the vine so that you, you, we grow and we have all this fruit. We have fruitful businesses and ministries and lives and families. And it's possible to get so far out in that that you forget God it's, or you forget that he's the source of everything. And I think what this does is it brings us back to the source and say, I can't grow a grape without God. I can't, do, I can't my, get my business going without God. I can't 
feed my family without God. I can't do anything without God. I think it's a powerful thing if, if this serves to bring us back to the vine and we come to the end of ourselves and we say, I need God. I can't, I, I can't do anything. I can't do nothing without him. I, I think we can come out on the other side of this in any, however, however it ends and say, that was worthwhile. That was truly worthwhile. I, I got closer to God. I got more into his word. I, I grew. I got cleaner. Uh, Jesus says in, in uh, verse uh, 3, he says, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. The word clean here is, a, is related to the word pruning. And it's the word of God who cleans us. Is there any time that the church doesn't need to be cleaned? Well, we may not mean need a total judgment like the world needs a judgment. I think the church needs to be cleaner, leaner. I think this could serve. I think this could serve. I, I think there's a way that we just say, okay, I'm going to tuck in. I'm going to use this. I'm going to milk it for all it's worth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go deeper than I've been before. I think we can come out on the other side of this and not regret how we responded and what we bought, what we believed and what we said, what we, re we repeated or what we said in frustration. I think there's a way to lance the frustration, but it's in the abiding. It's, it's not just listening to whatever prophetic person says, but it's, it's us getting before the Lord and say, Lord, what are you saying to me? How do you want me to respond? What do you want me to do? He will speak to you. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. And he will show us things to come. Not to say that we don't need prophets. I, I suspect that before this is over, we're going to hear some real true prophetic words that are, will bring clarity and, and will be powerful. I, I think God will. We're, in our circles, we believe in that. We believe in the prophetic. I just don't think he's been saying what people are saying that he's saying so far. But I think he will speak to us. I think he'll, he'll deal with this. Here's some things we can do that takes care of the frustration in the short term and that will produce fruit in our lives and fruit that remains. I think we should cut back on the media. I think we should cut back on, on uh, listening to every word, hanging on every word, trying to get our hope from government or from the media or from subsidies or bailouts. I think we ought to trust the Lord. I think we ought to turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to trust you for my, be my financial solution for this. I think we need to take this time to declutter our lives and reprioritize. Bob Sorge brought out a book um, not too long ago. It's a, it's a perfect title, I think, for, for right now. It's called Reset. And it's just how to rebuild our prayer life, to get our prayer life back the way it should be. And, and I, think, I think there's a call for a reset. I think that's a good word for us right now. I think also uh, something I've been trying to do to keep my hope up and to keep my heart in the right place, I've just been making phone calls every, every day. I go through and I find people that I haven't talked to for years or people that don't even like me anymore. I'm not in fellowship with anymore. And I'm just making all kinds of phone calls of people who are close to me and who I love and I'm in relationship with, but also people that just very randomly, I'm just using this as a opportunity to, to love, to be more gracious, more loving, and I'm just calling them to encourage them. And it's never failed. I get off the phone, I feel like I've been more encouraged. 
I think it's too early to make judgments. I don't think you have to. I don't think you have to make a judgment about what's going on right now, but you have to be more discerning. We have to become more discerning. There, don't swallow everything. Don't take everything, every word that someone says. That's a, <clears throat> I'm hearing people say that they're having open visions and they're hearing the audible voice of God. I just think we need to be a lot more discerning of what people are saying. We don't have to accept everything that they're saying. Is there something in history for us? There's always encouragement from history, and I, I, I'm a, I love history, but not everything applies. We're, we're in something that has never happened before. There's no history that completely fits what's happening today. Not the Civil War, not the World War II. Uh, there's been always diseases, always pandemics, always uh, plagues. None of them perfectly fit what we're going through right today. None of them perfectly fit. I think we need to take some time to let God's word speak to us and comfort us and encourage us. It's like someone who's lost a loved one who wants to know why, why that happened. And while they're saying, why did that happen to my loved one? They're refusing the comfort of Jesus. And Jesus said that he would comfort all those who are mourning, and they're forfeiting the comfort that he wants to give them. They can't really receive it because they need to know why. If the, and, it, and if you knew why, it wouldn't change anything. You'd be right where, you, right where you are now. Why? Knowing why probably won't add anything to your faith or add anything to where, you, where you're looking for peace. It's probably not going to bring the peace and the hope that you're looking for. The comfort of Jesus, that's something you can use. But we can't really receive that fully because we're wanting to know why. God isn't speaking a big why right now, and he didn't say anything before this happened, and he could have. In fact, there's a word that went through the whole church. Everybody heard it, and that was that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to win the Super Bowl. Everybody knew that word uh, that was had, you know, a 10-year-old word from Bob Jones. <clears throat> if God wanted to speak in January and say, look, it, a pandemic is coming. It's going to shut down the entire world's economy. And nobody, rich and poor, will be able to get a haircut. And no one, rich and poor, will be able to leave their home. And no one, no, whether you're Paul McCartney or Penn Clark, you won't be able to just go out and do what you normally do and book up meetings and have concerts and preach. You, um, it's a great equalizer. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this that's a great equalizer. There's a guy named um, John Kabinsky, I think his last name is. He played Jim in The Office. And he's so frustrated with the news media that he's created his own little news station from home, and it's all good news. And it's, and it's really worthwhile watching. He's just, he says, I'm just going to provide good news. I'll tell you what, whether you watch that show or not on YouTube, there's a lot of good news out there. I'm seeing a lot of love happening. I'm seeing graciousness. I'm seeing... Uh, entertainers and, and people who have special gifts sitting in their basements and saying, I'm just going to give this away free. People are giving away free books. <clears throat> Bill Johnson just offered one of his books free. There's a lot of free stuff and a lot of people just saying, I want to extend love to you. I want to extend hope. There's a lot of beautiful stuff happening if we'll look for it. Um, there's a, uh, a Rolling Stone guitarist um, Ronnie Wood, 
And I just saw a little clip of him sitting in his backyard, and he just wanted to read from the AA book. He's on an AA program, and he found a little bit of hope and a little bit of encouragement. And so he just wanted to read to the people who follow his, his music and just say, here's the little hope that I have from AA. I just think that's a beautiful thing. And I'm seeing that all the way around. I think there's comfort and there's encouragement that we'll receive. But if we're over here looking at the media and looking at the government, looking for solutions and looking for why, we're not going to see all the beautiful things that are happening in our culture, in our society, and in our world. But there's a lot of beautiful giving. There's a lot of beautiful um, generosity that's happening that I find comforting. I find as a solace in the middle of all of this. Next week, the frustration is going to spill out in the street. And if you do that, if you want to be part of that, you won't be criticized by me. But you may not find what you're looking for in that either. And there'll be people around you who will be of a different spirit than you because they'll be railing, they'll be angry, they'll be, they'll be railing at God, they'll be railing at, at the government, and it's a different spirit than what we want in you. So just be mindful. You could protest. I'm not going to say anything about that, but it may not bring the solution you're looking for. And then you'd be, just as, you'd be twice as frustrated on the other end of it. But I know this. There's a way to rob this thing for all of its worth. Let's go to John 15. Let's get closer to the vine. Let's let the husbandman have a, a way with us. Let him do a, a deep work in us. There's room for improvement in me. I had a dream the other night, and I'm not, a, I'm not a prophet by any means. I'm not saying that, anything like that. But I had a dream that I was prophesying over somebody in this dream. And I, the prophecy said, I see lots of leaves, and I see a, a big, nice, tall tree. And then I stopped, and I couldn't say anything more. And the guy said, come on, say it. Tell me. Tell me. Be honest. Say what you're seeing. And I said, well, there's beautiful leaves, but there's no fruit. And then I was thinking about that dream, and I felt like the Lord turned that all around on me. Sam Penn, there's lots of leaves, looks substantial, but there could be a lot more fruit, and fruit in terms of effectiveness, and fruit in terms of influence. I lack fruit. I lack, there's character issues in me that need to go deeper. There's, my effectiveness level isn't what it could be. We have people who pass through our church and they go out the other end unchanged. In terms of effectiveness, I'm not satisfied. In terms of influence, I'll call for a prayer meeting and no one shows up. My influence isn't what it should be or what it could be. But I think if I abide in him more intentionally, my fruit level can change. There's room for me to grow, just like I'm saying there's room for you to grow and for our country to grow and our church to grow. It's all in the abiding you know something, when you look at a tree, a fruit tree in particular, the whole reason, the whole reason for sowing seeds, sunshine, pruning, water, roots, bark, leaves, the whole reason for all of that is fruit. It's fruit and fruit that remains. It's all about fruit that lasts now and carries over into forever. I think we need to stop looking at our statistics and the things that look substantive. Looks like you're a person of influence. How many people follow you on Twitter and how many, how many hits you get on uh, something you posted? That's not fruit. That's not influence. 
change lives, change lives of the people that are around me, people in my family, people who are close to me, people who I have influence over, are their lives being changed? I think that's the stuff I'm thinking about these days. What could I do to have more impact, more influence that would last, last, carry over into forever? Amen? Be encouraged. Don't be frustrated. It's not going to help. It's not going to change anything. Receive the comfort from Jesus. He is extending that to you today. He comforts everyone who mourns. And there's a time where we're mourning the loss of our lives, the loss of our loved ones, loss of our businesses, loss of our income, loss of our portfolio, our retirement. There's lots of levels of mourning. Jesus wants to cover us with his comfort if we will receive it. Amen.